Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hey there, it's Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Join me today because we're going to be looking at what is going on and why is everything in flux? Nothing makes any kind of sense. And I'm going to go on and tell you that, yes, wisdom has a word and a pleasant little love smack for us today. So I'm inviting you to stick with me as we learn how to work with catastrophe. Oh, yes. And answer how to walk on shifting sand. So stick with me. It's going to be good. I'll see you soon. Hey there, it's Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me on the flip. Today, I want to talk about how to walk on shifting sand. Now, let's get into this because there has been a shift, whether you recognize it or not, and I'm pretty sure most of you do, uh, that the foundations of what we used to think of and actually rely on are no longer there and they're not coming back. Let's just go on and be honest. Our ability to uh, survive, thrive, and move on is going to be predicated on learning this new skill of walking on shifting sand. Okay, so I don't want to uh, make this sound like doom and gloom, but there is a, a prevalent influence that uh, is happening and many people have studied it and we're going to take a look at that and then we're going to see what wisdom has to say with regards to us individually working on it. So permit me, if you will, to talk about a scholar. His name is Nassim Talib, and he has written um, a, a quartet of books, I should say, um, about predictability and uh, events that happen outside of this predictability. And he is most famous for his first two books of that uh, quartet, Um, one being Fooled by Randomness and the second one being The Black Swan. Now, Michelle, why are we talking about books yet again? Because this is wisdom and this is what we talk about so that we can understand what wisdom is trying to say, or at least the way I get my information from wisdom. So y'all just bear with me for just a little bit, okay? I promise we'll get to the good part. We'll get to the good part, okay? So with this, the big takeaways from his work and his writings on these things is that we cannot, in all um, honesty, always have an answer and always look at a precedent to dictate or predict what's going to happen next. There comes a time when random stuff just happens. And so he did a great job of working uh, through that argument in that book, Fooled by Randomness. Okay. 
But then he followed it up with the book that really kind of like put that exclamation point on what he was saying. And it was, it is called The, the Black Swan. Now, prior to this, we had a classical understanding of the black swan. And that classical understanding was in the realm of something that's impossible. And it came out of um, Greek observations that all swans were white, period. (laughs) Okay. And so it used to signify an improbability of something happening, like pigs flying or um, purple cows. Okay. But when things happen as they normally do, the very thing that you say is improbable becomes probable, then you have to update it. So once they realize that there really are black swans, especially if you go in some parts of Australia, it evolved to be something that is rare, but highly, you know, highly rare. (laughs) I guess I'm just, you know, saying the same thing. All right, so stick with me. So in uh, Mr. Nassim Tlaib's book of the Black Swan, he goes on to talk about that this rarity is something that is sudden. It is something that is highly impactful and changes us in ways that we never expected. Oh, and then here's another part. And then after the fact, Monday morning quarterbacks are able to tell you exactly how this happened because they have this gift of hindsight and they can make things like, of course, this happened. Okay. So when I was thinking about all of the new stuff, I mean, every day, and by now, y'all should know I live in the United States uh, as one of its citizens, you know, proud of my country, (laughs) proud of my country. I'll just say that. Um, But I was looking at all the different things that are are happening. It's like stuff that I would have never thought anybody would be saying or thinking is now being said and thought. And boom, it hit me. I was like, okay, we must be having a black swan moment. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Because I was like, everything is just shifting. Nothing that we used to do. Business as usual doesn't work. People are scrambling. Everybody thinks they have an opinion, including me, only to poke at it and see that it's got holes and vulnerabilities. And of course, I went back and I said, well, let me see if, if, if Mr. Tlaib has said anything recently. And of course he did. Just a month ago not even a month at the time of this recording. And he was like, don't fool yourself. This is not a black swan moment. He says, oh, no, 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 no. He says, it's coming, but this ain't it. And I was like, what the baby hairs? And what he was saying was that this pandemic that we're experiencing is not. He said, and he even went there. He was like, himself and many others were trying to get the government, namely, my, our government, because he calls them out. He, he does not split hairs. He says, we've been trying to get you guys to understand that this was inevitable. And the reason why is because it does fall into the regular white swan predictability models. He was like, there was an opportunity for you to spend pennies to be prepared, but now you find yourself spending trillions because you weren't and you can't call your lack and he I'm, I'm not trying to put so many words in his mouth but he was like you, you the gist of what he was saying you can't put the lack of your oversight of something that is predictable uh in a black swan moment he says so stop that 
And he also gave two important things that I was like, oh, okay, that makes so much sense. Not that he was trying to give any kind of explanation for what's happening. He just said that when you look at the way our world was set up and is currently set up, there are two factors that definitely made this predictable. And he said that you have a hyper interconnectivity globally. Everybody is connected, whether it be by our ability to travel quickly with the airlines and stuff or airplanes or whatever you want to call it, or the uh, interconnectivity of our digital um, abilities. We, every morning, it always, not morning, every night, it always surprises me. Um, I have uh, uh, some of the financial news apps and they're always telling me, what had happened was, I mean, past tense of the day I'm about to have, when they talk about the Nikkei Index and they talk about um, the uh, trading uh, platforms in areas that are ahead of us in time, when we wake up, they're already either in their afternoon or their, their day is done. And I was like, now, if that is not being able to not only have interconnectedness in real time, but we're interconnected into the future. Mind blown. I was like, he's right. But then not only that. So he talks about our ability to be interconnected. And then he has this other um, thing that he brings up that I thought was very spectacular. Let me, let me pull it up here real quick. All right. He then talks about the fact that everything that we do is uh, nonlinear, meaning that you can't plot a point from point A to point Z or Z for my over the seas brethren and sisters. <laughs> no, nothing is linear anymore. Everything is nonlinear. It can go in any direction, like starburst or randomness or whatever, because you, you it's harder to plot the progression of anything based on this new interconnectedness that we have. And I was like, oh, okay. So in my my need, because I'm just going to call it what it is, I have this need, this curiosity, this drive to try to make sense of things when um, I feel out of sorts. And as I'm looking at th- this presupp- presupposition of a black swan moment that leads me now to the author of the contemporary understanding of it saying, no, this is not a black swan moment. And this is why. And it's making sense. I had to get to the point where I was like, okay, because what he then goes on to say is he was like, we haven't had the black swan moment and we can't know what it is because it is a black swan moment. So that means that not only do we have uncertainty in our lives right now, we are almost guaranteed a bigger uncertainty, kind of like a shoe dropping. And you guys, I'm, a, I'm just going to be honest with you. I have tried very hard to not make this sound like doom and gloom. And and I'm going to say this. This is not doom and gloom. This is because wisdom won't let me go. Let, let me let this one go. This is an ability and a way to step up to the to the plate to do what we need to and to be reminded, even though I'm saying all this stuff, even though I'm saying that, no, this was predictable. 
<laughs> this, but we are, we do have that proverbial other shoe that's going to be dropped and we don't know how it's coming. We don't know how to get ready for it because it will, or it is going to fall into the definition of that black swan moment. Okay. All right. So now that I've talked about that, Let's go and look at where we are right now and some of the things that hopefully we can prepare for so that when that happens, when and if, I'll say when and if, we'll be a better, we'll be better prepared. And before I go into my, my little my little notes here that I have, limited notes, because we can't tell it all, can't cover it all in the time we have, I do want to remind us that we have a a power that is locked into the principles of being a human. And that is that we have the power to create. We have the power to envision a future that we want. And we're so powerful that we can create that future. So much so that a lot of times when things look unstable, uncertain, doomy, gloomy, and, you know, black swanish, if you will, we can still say, but things tend to work out because we tend to work them out. And so I just want to, I want to pin that up top before we move into this. Cause I don't want you to say, well, Michelle, doggone, this is, this is, this is dreary. It's not dreary. What it is, is it is just another iteration of the, the human life cycle, the, the, as the world turns, if you will, but things tend to work out. And you know how I know, I know this because Each time we get to these critical points, each time we get to these these things that are like, oh, this is this is horrible. Some kind of way life finds a way and that creative gift that we have causes us to continue growing and knowing new and better ways to exist. Okay. All right. So let's get into it. So these are some of the things that. I am currently experiencing through um, my observations, research, reading, meditating, and what I believe I am okay to, to say on this here Wisdom Smack podcast with you. And that is that in order to walk on shifting sand, because you, you do need to do it, you still have to function, and nothing is permanent. Permanence, huh? Not yet. Uh, we're still in that jail moment. We're still in that where the jello is uh, not set yet. It's wiggly and it's it's all over the place. But you still have to make it work. That's where we are. So one of the things that I'm going to just go on and say is right now we have to get uh, a updated understanding and relationship with dealing with catastrophe. So. When Mr. Tlaib was being asked about the pandemic and the aftermath, and he said this is not a black moment, his very definition said this is a catastrophe. He didn't use the word or it wasn't printed that way, but he said this is a catastrophe. And with catastrophes, there are certain things that we can kind of predict based on what has happened with catastrophe after catastrophe. So here are a few things, okay? So now that we know that at this particular moment, we're dealing with catastrophe. There are certain things that we can do and update and grow in so that we can make a, a better a better way of it. So the first thing is, is to learn the ways of catastrophe when they happen. Catastrophes are large. And they are explosive, destructive. Um, they disrupt everything. 
But they, they have certain byproducts on humans that if you understand what's happening, you can adjust accordingly. And that is they coerce and even force us to increase our ability to adapt and change. Okay. So isn't it funny that we were talking about chaos? We've been talking about the adaptability quotient and all of these things. And now we are faced with our real live in-person obstacle course to learn how to navigate chaos into the new birth of new beginnings. And as you'll remember yesterday, we talked about the process of beginning and how to deal with that. Well, catastrophe has got time for us and it's not going away. We have to deal with it. And then we also talked about adaptability and how to start getting your MacGyver on, how to start dealing with when you have new environments. Uh, The other day when I was talking about that show alone and the first season that I managed to watch and how the two people that came in first and second. Now, of course, they had a a, a good bill of uh, uh, grace and everything. But out of the 10 contestants, they were the two that hit the ground, not trying to force the environment to to, uh, conform to their knowledge, but instead use their knowledge as part of the way that they learned their new environment. They did different things, like they took the time to explore. Neither one was in a hurry to try to build fire and all, shelter and all this, as you would have thought. Instead, they walked around, looked and saw what the resources were, got their bearings straight, um, figured out, you know, what was the lay of the land and and then humbled themselves with all their knowledge because they're very knowledgeable on how to survive, humbled themselves to allow Mother Nature to teach them. Remember when we talked about how Walden said, you know, he, he went to the wilderness to see if he could learn the lessons that the wild had to teach him? That's exactly what's happening with us right now. And that is why we are having to learn how to walk on shifting sand. And that is because when catastrophe hits and you're left with a whole new world, you you are forced, coerced to increase your ability to adapt. And so the first thing with um, the catastrophe that I'm, I'm dealing with today, because this is not an exhaustive list, is to learn how to start allowing your new environment to teach you the lessons it has to give. The environment will always teach you how to work with it, how to be in concert, symphony, harmony, whatever you want to call it, how to work with it and not against it. And any discomfort that we're having of the unknown is usually because we're fighting the flow to go with the unknown. Um, I keep going back to that that show because wisdom was just continuing to, to show me open my eyes, like prepare. This is what you need to do. You might not be in the wild um, area of uh, the uh, British Columbian um, uh, Vancouver Islands, but your environment has changed, honey. And the things that you used to have, think, and know, they're out the door. And so with that need to change and adapt, we must get into the flow of what the new environment offers us. We have to, and this is hard. It's very hard. It's hard for me. I can only imagine, you know, what you'll have to do. We have to unlearn and release our clutch 
on what we think we know. Because none of us, I'm talking about whatever level in society you hold, you know, none of us know anything. And the most dangerous thing is for people who continue to presuppose that they do. And then the second dangerous are the ones who criticize them when they get it wrong. So we have to not only adapt, but we have to work in harmony together and be forgiving of when we mess up and other people mess up. Because catastrophe is not here to be a villain or an enemy. Catastrophe is simply a tool used in the span of as the world turns. There will be catastrophes. There will be uh, things that disrupt, destroy even. Okay, so it's our jobs as humans to survive, thrive, and multiply. And in order to continue that prime directive, there are times, especially now, when we must increase our ability, our knowledge, and our action of adaptation. We're really good at it, y'all. You got to trust yourself, trust your process. Isn't it funny how, uh, not funny haha, but funny like, hmm, where if given the opportunity, and especially if it's a gradual thing where you, where, where you can ease into it, they have uh, actually um, observed different communities where, based on their environments, they have changed to be to to behave completely different from other um, mainstream environments. Um, I'm thinking about. It, I'm trying to remember the name of um, this uh, community of people, but it is a um, Asia community. Asian, excuse me, Asia. I, I, I learned that Asia. It's an Asian community. Um, I think over in the J- J- area of Japan, where the women are known for their ability to dive for pearls and precious gems that the sea would offer up without any kind of snorkeling gear or any of that, and they're able to hold their breath for expen- extended amounts of time, and it is because of their ability to adapt and adjust and let their environment teach them. And so that's another example. So this is not to scare you. We got this. We were made for this. And if you stop fighting against this by trying to impose your will and your previous knowledge on your environment, and instead allow the environment to teach you, teach us how to go with the flow, you'll succeed. You'll be like those people who were dropped off in an island With the clothes on their back and 10 pieces of something. And these folks are surviving out there for months at a time. No grocery store, uh, no shower, no no hospital. And they're surviving. They're making it. That lets you know uh, our success at being able to, to handle this. You know, catastrophe brings about an abrupt change. And that abrupt change uh, coerces or forces us to adapt to it in kind if we are going to continue to fulfill our modus operandi of surviving, thriving, and multiplying. All right. So then here's another thing that catastrophe does. And you know what? Now that I'm looking at it this way, I'm not even mad at catastrophe. I'm like, okay, come through. Not only does it increase our ability to adapt, it changes our viewpoints, our behaviors, and our belief systems. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And so you you get an, I don't want to call it an upgrade. I'm going to say an update. You get an update on how you view your world, view yourself, and view what you think about things. It's a, 
it <laughs> it is amazing how uh, catastrophe can come in and mess with our philosophy of life, our psychology of, of thought, and our behavior of doing. It hits all the it hits that holy triangle of us where we are do we are excuse me be do have we are human beings doing the business of living so that we can have the life of pain avoidance into pleasure we be do have and when catastrophe comes catastrophe helps us to get ready for that now let me pause here because i have a few other things i want to say about this and that is that when I was looking at the updated interview that Mr. Talib granted, it, you can find it in the New Yorker. I might go on and, and try to post the link in the uh, description today. Um, he said something that was brilliant. And he and, and what he said was, is that what we would better, you know, learn is that as a as a people, it's not for us to try to figure out things. It, it's yet. It, I, let me let me just go back and, and, and say, because I don't want to put words in his mouth. What he was saying was, is that it is not for us to try to think that we know anything. And yet and still what we're able to do is we are able to extrapolate from these catastrophes and we're able to manage and change. And he talks about fat tails, uh, meaning when he's talking about the bell curve and that what we should be able to do is to continue to learn from when the end of the bell curve is fat, meaning it doesn't taper off. It is fat that we can learn from this and we can move into the next phase a little easier. And I like that because as I see it now, catastrophe to me, it looks more like a harsh taskmaster, schoolmaster than it does an enemy. And that brings me to this next part about catastrophe. Catastrophe not only helps us to increase our ability to adapt, it, like I said, it changes our viewpoints. We don't look at things the same way. We don't think of things in a way where uh, we will, you know, we have these nevers. Mm -mm, they're gone um, because you have to move, think, change your perspective, your understanding, because life as you know it is no longer there. Okay. And so now that, you know, <laughs> there are there are times when you have to just get to the point where either you suffer continue to suffer, I should say, from that sudden unexpected catastrophe, or you learn to adapt, you change your viewpoints, and even sometimes consider things that you used to think was were unthinkable, you change so that you can continue to thrive and survive. And because of this um, force that catastrophe and this sudden change uh, brings upon us, and a lot of times at first, it brings a lot of suffering, Catastrophe helps to increase our reaction time. Yeah, we might be reactionary in a lot of things, but we learn, we adapt, we grow, we strengthen so that we don't simply rely on sitting there and pontificating the, the different avenues of uh, uh, logical um, routines that we would normally go through. We have to learn how to re-embrace that stuff 
that throws us back into the days of our ancestors where we were surviving. And that is we get to the point where we uh, reignite our ability to depend on instinct and we get to marry that instinct with intellect. And so now when you look at it, catastrophe is that friction, that stress, that uh, opposition that makes us stronger, that helps us adapt to the new way of life, that helps us to uh, avoid the pain of suffering from when we didn't know what was going on and it took us a minute to change our viewpoints. And so it's the weirdest thing. When you're starting to learn to walk on shifting sand, what you're learning to do is to take what catastrophe has wrought and do the dance and learn how to move with it. Um, I have it set up for tomorrow's podcast, unless something else happens and wisdom says, nope, I don't want you to talk about that yet. But I'm going to be talking um, tomorrow, if you stick with me, I'm going to be talking about anchors and balloons, what holds you down and lifts you up. And this is in homage, if you will, to the lessons of catastrophe, because catastrophe is, it is a child of chaos. It really is. And it does her bidding in that when it comes in with its sudden destruction and it's large scale and it leaves everything in flux, we, when it comes down to it, we get back to the basics and we learn that we are able to use our intellect with our, our gut. We strengthen our instincts to learn how to survive in our new environment. We are able to increase our reaction time such that we're able to not fall into the pits and the holes and the obstacle course gotchas that are our new terrain. And our viewpoints and our behaviors and our thoughts and uh, philosophies change and we become highly adaptable. And that to me is a gift. That is why I could say and ask you to put a pinpoint because I knew I was coming back to it, that with our creative ability, our vision and our will to survive and live and thrive, things tend to work out. So. In summation, I don't usually like to say that, but uh, with how to walk on shifting sand, in order to walk on shifting sand, we do well to take the lessons and the skills that catastrophe requires. We grow, we walk in, we grow into, and we operate in to navigate the uh, uncertainties. And that means that we increase our ability adapt to adapt. We increase our reaction time. We are open and flexible to change our viewpoints, our behaviors, our thoughts, beliefs, philosophies, understandings. And we remember to rely on our instincts, our gut, as much as our intellect and our innovation. And by doing that, that helps you, helps us to walk on shifty sands. So guess what? Yeah, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Don't forget to check the show notes, like, subscribe, share, and you can also support. If you like what we're doing daily, support the podcast. And I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye.
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.